is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You know, Methodists just aren't supposed to be preaching about sin. I mean, I've had some of my friends, some of my pastor friends say to me, Greg, you, you, for a Methodist, you sure do preach about sin an awful lot. And I've had some other people say, why don't you Methodists preach some more fire and brimstone sermons? I want to hear a good scorcher today, Greg. Come on, preacher, give us a good scorcher. Lay it on them. And that's the problem with those scorcher sermons. Fire and brimstone sermons are usually for the other people. We want to hear fire and brimstone sermons preached about them dirty, rotten sinners over there. Not about us. Who comes to church and says, I want to hear a good fire and brimstone sermon poured out upon me? We, none of us. I don't see no hands and you better not put a hand up. No, we don't want that. If we're honest with ourselves, we know that if there's going to be a fire and brimstone sermon preached, it ought to fall on our heads. But our mouths don't say that. No, we want to hear them sermons, but we want to hear them about other people. Them dirty, rotten sinners out there. That's a bunch, my friends, that's a bunch of bull loney. Or as our British friends would say, that's a bunch of bollocks. It's a bunch of nonsense. It's a bunch of idiocy to say that we are free from sin. I mean, come on, Methodists don't often preach about sin. We try to stay away from it. We try to stay away from it because it's uncomfortable for us. It's difficult for us to accept this idea of sin. We want to pretend as though we're not sinners. We want to pretend as though we're above that. We're above talking about sin. We're above talking about that kind of stuff. No, we're not. So if we're going to talk about sin, let's get a definition of what sin is. Because some people may be working with various kinds and different kinds of, of definitions of what sin is. But, but what is sin? In the New Testament, which was originally written in Greek, in the New Testament Greek, the word that we translate as sin is the Greek word harmartia. And hamartia is a very specific word in Greek. It's an archery term, a military term, used to describe bows and arrows and how they function. And hamartia deals with a very specific problem. When you take your arrow and when you take your bow and when you pull back and take aim and let the arrow fly, hamartia occurs when the arrow misses the target not just to the left, not just to the right, but doesn't even make it to the target. It falls between you and the target. Amartya is missing the mark. It's missing the target. It's falling short of the target. It's not even making it to the target. Amartya is when you pull back and let go the arrow, you let it fly, and it falls on the ground between you and the target. It's truly missing the target. And theologically speaking, in regards to sin, the New Testament conception of sin is missing the mark or falling short of God's 
will for us. That's what sin is. Huh? Well, I thought sin was a whole bunch of thou shalt nots. Thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that. Thou shalt not drink, thou shalt not smoke, thou shalt not dance if you're a Baptist or wear makeup. Thou shalt not breathe in some cases. I thought sins were those things that you do that you're not supposed to do. Those things that are bad that you do that you know you're not supposed to do, but you do them anyway. I thought the sins were the stuff that's bad. The thou shalt nots. I thought that's what sin was. Well, the thou shalt nots may be symptoms of what sin is, but fundamentally speaking, in its basic sense and meaning, sin is amartia. It's falling short, missing the mark of God's will for us. Sin is falling short, missing the target of God's will for us. Sin is not living the kind of life that God has for you to live. Sin is doing things your own way without regard for God's way. Ooh. Sin is failing to follow the path that Jesus has for you to live. Sin is not loving your neighbor as yourself. I mean, after all, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another. And when he was asked to simplify the law, he quoted from the Hebrew Bible and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love your neighbor as yourself, that's hamartia. ruh -roh. Um, that's, that's sin? Uh-huh. It's not just the thou shalt not, friends. It's failing to do and live the life that Jesus has for you to live. It's as simple and difficult as that. Hamartia is living the life that you want to live without concern for God's will for you. Hamartia is not even trying to hit the target. It's doing things your own way, according to your own will, without regard, in fact, not even caring about God's will. That's sin. Simply put, that is sin. Well, Greg, that's going to make it awfully easy. If you don't have a whole bunch of lists of thou shalt nots and thou shalt not this and thou shalt not that, then, then people can go ahead and do whatever they want to do and claim that they're following God's will for them. Well, who said that you need to get between them and God's will? Ooh. If hamartia, if sin is falling short of God's will for us, if hamartia, if sin is not hitting the mark, not hitting the target of God's will for us. If it's as simple as that, that means that we can't pick on people for not doing what we think they ought to do. That's up to God, isn't it? God's will, not mine. God's will, not yours. 
Ooh. The good news. The good news in all of this, and this is the point of this portion of Paul's letter to the Romans. The good news is, is that while we struggle against sin, while we struggle against hamartia, while we struggle against this problem, the good news, my brothers and sisters, is that we don't struggle alone. We have victory in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And by the way, if you didn't bring a Bible or if you don't have your pew Bible, it might be helpful to have it open right now. Bring your Bible to church? Uh-huh. You got one in your pew for this reason. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Wow! Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Whoopee! That deserves a whoopee. Can you say whoopee for me? Whoopee! <laughs> you know, I don't think they heard that out there on the internet. Let's do that again. Give me a whoopee. Whoopee! That's a little bit better. Verses 3 and 4. For God has done what the law. For God has done. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin god condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Hmm. The law was given to teach us God's will. The law was given to teach us what it looks like when you're hitting the mark. The law was given to us so that we could see and know and understand when we are falling short. The law was given to us so that we could see and know and understand when we were failing to do what God wants us to do. But that understanding and that law was given at a time and a place for a people in a place in a setting that was particular to them. you got to be careful when you're dealing with the law, with the Hebrew Bible, with the Old Testament, with the Torah, because some of its precepts and some of its guidelines don't necessarily apply today. You might say, well, what do you mean by that, Greg? Well, here's how. Women. Women. In the Hebrew Bible, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, in the time of Moses, you were property. Oops. Women, you belonged to your husbands, your fathers, your brothers, your uncle, your grandfather, to some male in relation to you. You were not a legal entity. You belonged to some guy. Now, do we want to say that that's God's will for today? Men say no. <laughs> good, you can go home. That's good. Not now, not yet, but you can go home today. No, that's not God's will. Not now. I don't even think it was God's will then, but it's not God's will. Okay? So you've got to be careful about how you apply the law. 
However, it was given to show us and to help us to understand what it means to hit that target, hit that mark. Hence, you have provisions for caring for the alien who lives among you. That's rather important for us right now, isn't it? The alien who lives among you. Don't, don't harvest your entire field all the way to the edges. Leave parts of it for the gleanings of the aliens in your midst. Make sure that the hungry and the thirsty and the naked have food and drink and clothes. Care for those among you who lack. Help those who are in need. All those are biblical precepts. These things help to illustrate for us what it means to hit the target, to hit the mark, to not fall short of it in our living Now, the law, unfortunately, was broken because we can't, in our flesh, live it. We, in our person, can't live it. And God, Paul's been getting ready to talk a lot here about flesh. I want you to, to, to bear with me. Have you already heard some of it? I want to read it again, verses 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Flesh here translates the Greek word sarks. Sarks. Sarks means several things. It means your physical, meaty body, the flesh on your bones. Sarks means this, this meat here on your bones. Reach out and squeeze the, the tissue on your hand. That's sarks, literally. Sarks means your physical being. It means your physical existence. Sarks also means those things that we, by virtue of being human beings, want to do. In other words, our own will. Sarks is where sin dwells. We are gratifying our own persons, our own desires, our own needs when we commit hamartia, sin. We are focusing upon ourselves and gratifying or pleasing ourselves. I'll give you a good example. My favorite food on this earth is enchiladas. I love them. Chicken, pork, beef, cheese and onion. I adore enchiladas. I don't care where they're from. I love enchiladas. If you take me to a Mexican food restaurant and they do not have enchiladas there, it's not a Mexican food restaurant for me. I adore enchiladas. I adore them. I adore them a little too much. <laughs> and when I adore them too much and my will is focused in on eating them, I am committing harmatia all over the place. I am falling short of God's will for me because I will overeat every time. Don't give me just one. They're, it's like Blaze potato chips. You just can't eat one. 
When I go after Mexican food, especially enchiladas, hamartilla is committed all over the place. My flesh is being satisfied. My sarks is going there going, woohoo! Let's pig out. That's sarks in action, friends. That's hamartilla in action. For it's not God's will for me to overeat and stuff myself, even on something that I enjoy. So Sarks is alive when I do that. It's alive and kicking and going strong when I'm picking out on enchiladas. That is pleasing myself to the detriment of God's will for me that I be. Ooh. In other words, Sarks can be translated, retranslated, Instead of flesh, it could probably be better translated as self. So let's do that. Beginning at verse 5, let's translate this passage a little differently and replace everywhere where you see flesh with the word self. Take out flesh and put in self. Let me read it for you. For those who live according to the, the self, set their minds on the things of themselves. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on themselves is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on themselves is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in themselves cannot please God. That is, by the way, probably the closest possible translation to the meaning of what Paul is saying here. Law doesn't function as it should because we get so hung up on ourselves that we don't pay attention to it. We get so hung up on ourselves that we ignore it, that we ignore what it teaches us about love, that we ignore what it teaches us about how to live. And in fact, because of ourselves, we will twist it and manipulate it to get it to say what we want it to say, when we want it to say it, and where we want it to say it, usually so we can beat on somebody with it. That's how the law gets broken. That's how the law does not work. The good news is that Jesus came to show us what it means to be a true, devoted self to God. He came in the likeness of similar to sinful self, but not sinful self. He came as true, divine self to live among us, to teach us what it means to truly be oriented towards God, truly oriented towards that target, truly oriented towards the way of life that God would have us to live. He came to show us the love of God, to exemplify it in teaching, in preaching, in healing, in feeding, in forgiving, in laughing and crying with us, and eventually in dying for us in our place, and then in being raised for us, that we might never fear separation from God, death, sin, or evil. 
Jesus came to free us from enslavement to ourselves. Jesus came to free us from enslavement to the self and freed us to live for God. Jesus came to set us free from the law of sin and death. But you are not in yourself, Paul writes. You are in the Spirit. Since the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, and by the way, that's a rhetorical statement. Yes, Christ is in you. If Christ is in you, and He is, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and He does, He who raised Christ from the dead, that's God, will give life to your mortal bodies also through His Spirit that dwells in you. Do you realize what he just said? He said that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead, the same God who brought Jesus back from the dead, the same God who brought him back to life, the same God who moved into that tomb and generated a resurrectional miracle, that same God lives right now in you and will bring you back from the brink of death to life eternal. The good news, my brothers and sisters, is that we, although we face the struggle with the self, we face the struggle with SARS, we are not left alone. We have Christ Jesus in our midst, in the family of faith, in the means of grace. We have Jesus in our midst to move into our lives, to transform us, to remake us, to remold us, to take us out of ourselves and place us in Him so that we might live for Christ, for others, forever. That's the good news. That's what it means to have Christ Jesus dwelling in us, transforming us, transforming us from this body of self-will to God's will. Give thanks and praise to God for the grace of Jesus Christ our Lord that comes to transform us. Give thanks and praise to God for the many means of grace that we have in the body of Christ, the church, to receive God's love, God's transforming presence. Give thanks and praise to God for the privilege of being brought back to life by the power of the one who brought Jesus back from the dead. You may think you don't have a future. You may think you don't have a possible avenue of life. Wrong, my friends. We have the promise of new life in Christ. We have the way to the target that God has for us to live, sharing the love of God with all welcoming all into the family of faith, loving our neighbors as ourselves, living by faith.
in the power of the Spirit. Let's do that. Let's live by faith, trusting in Christ, in the resurrection power that God has for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In your presence, Lord, let me learn at your feet. I will taste the riches of been listening to a sermon by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of the First United Methodist Church in Commerce, Texas, and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2014 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information and for other sermons by Dr. Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at First United Methodist Church, 1709 Highway 24, Commerce, Texas, 75428. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.